Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grains, False Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the beer program coordinator with New Realm Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone. Welcome, everyone, to False Bottom Girls. That's Rachel Hudson. (laughs) And that is Jen Blair. (laughs) Don't get the voices confused. Right. Mine's a little bit more dark, husky, cold hearted. She's a little bit more light. Mine's a little more like mature. (laughs) Mature. Wow. Okay. Um, Thank you. I I meant like you. As a person versus me as a person. Not uh, your voice. That's not better. Sultry. <laughs> Sultry. Thanks. <laughs> so now you guys should know. Right. <laughs> uh, right. The sultry one. Um, so before. <laughs> it's good to start this episode with a little bit of level levity because it's um, going to be kind of a heavier episode. And before we get started. I do want to give a little bit of a content warning, not a little bit of a content warning, but a content warning. Um, What we're going to be talking about today is the Chicago Lager Beer Riot, and it is um, heavy themes of anti-immigrant policies, police brutality, and I just want to, you know, make everybody aware that that, that we will be talking about that today. So if that is something that, um, you know, even as I was working through this outline, uh, it's really heavy to write about things that are still happening. Yes. Um, today. I was just thinking, like, when will America start learning from history? Right. Right. And so I do want to put that content warning at the beginning that if this is something that might be upsetting to you or is upsetting to you as it should be, this might be an episode to skip. And uh, particularly if this is something that's very raw for you, uh, this is will be coming out in April uh, towards the end. So right before the, the, the anniversary of the Lager Beer Riot. Uh, but content warning, we are talking about anti-immigration themes and police brutality themes. So um, now that I kind of started us off on that downer, um, (laughs) as I mentioned, we're going to talk today about the Chicago Lager Beer Riot. And it's funny as I was not funny, but as I was reading through this, I wonder if people have the tendency to call things like protests, riots, depending on who the people, who the protesters are and um, who they are not. And so reading through this, I started to wonder like, would this more appropriately be called the Chicago Lager Beer Protest? Uh, but you know, who, who wrote the history? And uh, I will, I might have a footnote to this because as I was researching it, I discovered that there's a very in-depth book written about the Chicago Lager Beer Riot that I ordered. Um, so maybe I'll report back and let you all know if I think that it's appropriately called a riot or if it should have been called a protest instead. So 166 years ago, on April 21st in 1855, the Chicago Lager Beer Riot occurred. It occurred in Chicago, Illinois, and it's largely cre- credited as Chicago's first civil disturbance. Um, so going back, um, I'm not... A, you know, a history scholar by any means. 
I did live in Chicago for two years is my favorite place in the world. And I would love to go to go back and live there. Um, a lot of history, a lot of very, very good history books um, written about Chicago, but it's, you know, it's known as the second city. And the reason behind that is, you know, in the mid 1800s, when, when the United States was expanding westward, Chicago was the West, Chicago, Kansas City, St. Louis, that was all the West and the Wild West at that. And it was growing very, very quickly. Uh, so when we're talking about this right, what it was was a clash between mostly German, but also Irish immigrants and the Chicago Police Department. So what, what had happened was um, Mayor Levi Boone was a, a nativist politician. Um, and when he was elected, he renewed an old local ordinance that mandated taverns be closed on Sundays. Um, as a result of the ordinance, or in, in addition to the ordinance, the city council raised the cost of a liquor license from $50 a year to $300 a year. And they also changed that from $50 payable annually to $300 payable quarterly. So in today's money, that would be like if we raise the cost of a liquor license from about $1,500 to $9,000. Yeah. So a lot, you know, two, mm -hmm. two big things that, uh, you know, the, the ordinance was seen as targeting German immigrants in particular. And in the mid 1800s, there was unrest in Bohemia and Germany, which caused a large influx of people uh, to migrate to the United States. And of course, you know, in Bohemia and Germany, the drink of choice was lager beer, so that we were getting a large increase of immigrants um, who one who were brewing and drinking had an affinity for lager beer. Uh, likewise, in 1845 is when the Irish potato famine occurred. So there was also an influx of Irish immigrants in the United States. And Chicago's rapid growth in the 1840s and 1850s uh, was largely because of those German and Irish, uh, specifically Irish Catholic immigrants. Uh, so similar to today, the jobs that were available for immigrants were often poor paying jobs, but the opportunities were still better than what was available in their home countries. So I, I mentioned the mayor, Levi Boone. He was a member of what was then known as the Know Nothing Party, which had previously been known <laughs> as the Native American Party before 1855 okay. and was known after 1855 as the American Party. Uh, so Boone ran on an anti-immigrant and anti-Catholic platform. Uh, so surprising no one. The Know Nothing Political Party originally started as a secret society and was based on being anti-Irish, anti-Catholic, anti-immigration, populist, and xenophobic. So some of the things they wanted was a 21-year residency requirement for anyone seeking U.S. citizenship. So you would have to live and work in the United States for 21 years before you were eligible to become a U.S. citizen. Um, it also wanted public offices to be restricted to native-born Americans, uh, which I, Rachel could actually see the air quotes. I'm sure you could <laughs> hear the air quotes. Um, so Very when we're ridiculous. talking about them seeing their self, themselves as Native Americans, yeah. they uh, saw themselves as Native Americans because they were descendants of settlers or colonists. Um, not actual indigenous mm -hmm. Americans the way we think of it today. Yeah, they were immigrants. 
Right. They were also <laughs> immigrants. Um, and they, so it was known as the Know Nothing Party because adherents were supposed to reply, I know nothing when they were asked about specifics of the groups by outsiders. So we have people consolidating power who want to make laws affecting largely everybody who's not them. And they also um, don't want to give anybody any information on on how they're operating or why they're doing what they're doing. So that's why it was known as the Know Nothing Party. Not because they know nothing. Right. That's what, you know, I would think that 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 is probably more accurate. Um, So again, this will probably sound familiar to present day, but on March 6th in 1855, the coalition that won the Chicago city elections ran on a law and order platform. And um, one of the ways that, you know, up until this point, Um, We're still talking about the mid-1800s, so it's not municipalities so much as it's, you know, neighborhoods kind of govern themselves. And really, um, the only people who paid much attention to, like, nonpartisan city elections were, like, real estate developers. Uh, So because of that, this coalition was able to win control um, because there was very low voter turnout, because most people didn't think that the results affected them. And for most people, it really didn't. Um, but there was very low voter turnout. And then they, you know, even though they won, they had that very, very thin base of popular support. Most people didn't like this party and didn't want them. In, and that those ideals were not what they stood for. Uh, but again, they didn't know how much those elections could affect them. So they were able to kind of take advantage of that. And another interesting thing, and I'm not sure how it was across the United States, but at that time in Chicago, the mayors were elected each year. So every single year you could have a new mayor, which can't really get anything done. Yeah, exactly. It (laughs) seems like chaos all the time. So what happened when Boone was elected as this law and order coalition, um, as a know nothing party member, uh, he not only increased the licensing fees for liquor and wanted taverns to be closed on Sundays, but he also reformed the Chicago Police Department. So he tripled the size of the police department. He refused to hire immigrants and he also required police to wear uniforms, which at the time wasn't something that, you know, that police necessarily did. And police, again, really before this, it was, you know, like neighborhoods were self-policing. There wasn't necessarily like a citywide uh, police force. So that's kind of setting the scene politically for where, where Chicago was in 1855 after the election of this unpopular party. Uh, So going back to our German immigrants, who were coming, you know, in the like the mid 1800s, uh, they worked six days a week, right? They had these low paying, like high labor jobs. They worked six days a week with Sundays being their only day off. Uh, and if you've listened to our episode or if you've been around me or Rachel for more than 10 minutes, you've heard us talk about the logger book. Uh, <laughs> if you uh, have, you know, thinking back to that episode and thinking back to the book, you know, beer drinking in Germany was very much a community affair. Uh, It was families gathering in beer gardens. It was more of, you know, of of a community. It wasn't just- Yeah, you didn't really just do it at home. Right. That much. Right. And that's an excellent point, Rachel, because at the time, you know, bottled beer was a specialty that wasn't widely available. So most beer 
was sold in wooden kegs, which meant that it had to be consumed on premises. So you would have to go to a bar to drink beer because you didn't have beer at home. And this is also the industrial era where beer has been taken out of the home and put into you know commercial enterprises. So Sunday, since that was their most German immigrants only day off, that was also their primary day to socialize. And so again, thinking back to what the culture was like in Germany, most of that socialization took place in taverns. And, you know, kind of the, what Mir Boone, and this is also in the beginning of the temperance movement when people are trying, you know, that will ultimately lead to prohibition in the United States. Um, so you shouldn't drink on Sunday, that's the Lord's day. But interestingly, um, if you were a native born, so if you're still an immigrant, but not those immigrants, yeah. <laughs> um, your drink of choice was whiskey. Whiskey is very much an American drink. Um, you know, with whiskey, that meant that the nativists could buy their alcohol somewhere and drink it in the privacy of their own home. So it's not that they weren't drinking on Sunday. They just didn't have to go anywhere where people saw them drinking on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're talking about Chicago and to kind of set the scene like I I can't describe Chicago geography very well in like an audio medium but (laughs) um, uh, the many German settlers lived in their own neighborhood in what's what's known as Chicago's north side which if you've been to Chicago you know that the Chicago River runs through the middle of Chicago and uh, the north side is across the Chicago River from Town Hall and then also like kind of the older Protestant area of the city where a lot of nativists lived. So, you know, we've enacted this ordinance that is enacted by a mayor who runs on a platform of being anti-immigrant, um, mostly anti-German, anti-Irish, who has decided that taverns should be closed on Sundays. Uh, so, of course, that's seen and it was a direct mm-hmm. attack against German um, immigrants and you know tavern owners continue to sell their beer on Sundays despite that ordinance mm-hmm. and over 200 Germans were arrested for uh, for violating the license and the Sunday ordinances and so then again like to go back you know this was at the beginning of March when this coalition was elected and then the blogger beer riot happens in mid-April so like that's a pretty short amount of time for yeah. 200 uh, German tavern owners to be arrested and also taverns where the American nativists drank whiskey that were owned by native Americans were largely allowed to remain open. So they, they were not enforcing that ordinance across the board, right? They're enforcing Jeez, it very how specifically. How can you be about it? Right, right. <laughs> right. So Germans uh, organized to resist that $300 license ordinance and then also raised defense funds for tavern owners um, who were being arrested for non-compliance. So then what happens, of course, is we have all these tavern owners being arrested and the prosecutions really start clogging up the court system. So they decided to schedule a test case test case for April 21st. And when we're talking about a test case, what that meant in this situation was both sides agreed that they would try one case of one of the arrested tavern owners and that test case would stand as precedent for the rest of case of the cases. So, um, you know, I actually don't have information on how, I I don't know that that test case even happened, Um, but I don't, I don't know how that turned out. But, you know, even as I was researching this, I was thinking, well, like, yeah, everybody knows how that test case is going to turn out. Yeah. Like the, you know, the best you can do, of course, when you are in a 
position of not being in political power is, you know, try try to like hope for the best and, you know, and work with what you're given. So that represents a compromise to, to do a test case. Uh, but yeah, like through the lens of 2021, you know, it's easy to see like this test case wasn't going to be favorable to the tavern owners yeah. and whether there was actual justice carried out throughout the process is highly questionable. Yeah, exactly. So on April 21st, uh, when this test case was scheduled and, you know, I've read in a few places that a lot of people say that this effectively scheduled the riot. And I don't, again, I think that's looking through the lens, obviously, of time. Um, but it's, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. I, I still am not convinced that this is actually a riot or if it's just a yeah. civil protest that's being called a riot. By because all they're power. really doing is going to drink at the bar. Right. And then so and they're then showing arrested. up. Right. So they're <laughs> showing up for this test case. Uh, it's a huge crowd and they gathered to support the defendants. They didn't gather, you know, to do anything except be there as a show of support. So then what happens is that Boone orders this newly formed police force to clear the area. Um, and during them clearing the area, there were nine people arrested. And as this was happening, you know, word was spreading about what was happening. So again, this is, you know, police government aggression against protesters. And uh, as, that, as that news was spreading across the river, there was an armed group from the north side of Chicago, so where most of our German immigrants are living, um, they decided to rescue the people who are, you know, who are imprisoned, who are getting arrested. And um, again, if you've been to Chicago, and this will sound very familiar to recent events, um, then you know that with the Chicago River running through the middle of the city, there's bridges, right? You have to go across the river, and the way you do that is by bridge. So as this group was approaching the courthouse, Boone ordered that the drawbridge on Clark Street uh, be raised until he could get additional police officers and militia members. And at the time it was, um, so now if you go to Chicago, it is um, the, the kinds of bridges that like open up from yeah. the middle. Mm -hmm. uh, Drawbridge. Right. My impression from this is that this bridge actually swung Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead yeah. of going I've seen up. That. Yeah. yeah. So he ordered that that bridge be raised. So, you know, swung around until he could get an additional 200 police officers. And what happened when that when they did that is that there were protesters on the bridge. And as the, uh, <laughs> you know, so as they swung that drawbridge, so prisoner or so protesters couldn't get across the river, Stop there were people the stuck on the bridge and uh, police started firing at the people who were stuck on this bridge. Um, and then in the, also during that time, as Boone is like assembling more police officers, assembling a militia, he also orders that two cannons, loaded cannons be put on city hall facing, you know, facing the bridge, facing the other side of the river. Um, and then, right, so this is, you know, this is all happening as what started out with a peaceful protest. And also, of course, when you move the drawbridge, you make it so that people can't get away from City Hall, you know, they can't get back across the river to safety. And so when the bridge was finally lowered later that afternoon, there were 500 most, mostly German, but some immigrant or some Irish protesters who came across the bridge and clashed with the police. And that's when that's when like the real 
it's funny to read that like that's when the shooting began because it's like well that's when the shooting at the police began but the police had already been (laughs) shooting at people who were stuck on a drawbridge yeah uh so yeah so the militia was called in as part of that and so the actual again riot i'm i I say that also in air quotes um but it it ended in minutes but you know this was kind of a day-long siege so after all of the shooting after all of those clashes with the police, there was only one protester who was known to be murdered by police, which was a man named Peter Martin. Uh, so 60 people were arrested and there were 19 reported injuries. But amazingly, there was only that one fatality of Peter Martin. And again, these were, um, you know, the reported. So so who yeah. knows how much, like how, how many more people were actually affected and uh what what came of that is that um you know after this riot and again i i am inclined to call it a protest um that escalated because of police aggression um but the lager beer riot led to a compromise in which the city council lowered the liquor license fee from three hundred dollars to one hundred dollars so most of the people who were arrested during the riot were released and weren't charged Uh, But it seems like those who were arrested, you know, who were arrested for not paying that $300 fee or for being open on Sundays weren't released. So it was really just the protesters were were released without being charged. Um, So then what came out of that was the the riot. And, you know, it was like, how how did how did this party get to be in power and it was because there wasn't a strong voter turnout and so the riot mobilized chicago's immigrant voters so in march 1856 the next year um, there was a very heavy german and irish turnout that defeated the nativists and uh, mir boone didn't actually even run for a second term and shortly after that the Know Nothing Party became known as the American Party, which really um, declined very rapidly because, of course, shortly after that was the Civil War and um, the, you know, just that racism and xenophobia and uh, white supremacy attitude got funneled into the Civil War. Uh, and they, you know, they had, I, I don't know a better way to say, but they had, you know, non-white people to hate instead Mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of that energy went so that is the the chicago lager beer riot and you know it was also reading reading about it uh it talked about like boone and then going through you know leading up through the temperance movement into prohibition and they said like well by by the end of his life he really enjoyed lager beer and i was like fuck (laughs) you i don't fucking care (laughs) Yeah. Who cares? Good, good riddance. Good riddance to bad rubbish. Like yeah. I, I don't care if you like beer now. Fuck he you. Came around to like right, beer. exactly. And like, oh, and isn't that nice of him? Isn't that magnanimous? No, fuck you. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care if you ever liked beer. Uh, so that uh, that is not quite in the same vein of what we normally talk about. But um, yeah, but that was good. That was good for me. I had I didn't know too much about that. Yeah, and it is, you know, Chicago has, Chicago is just a cool city with a lot of history, history. and not that this is, not that this is a cool history, um, but it is, you know, it, it, I don't know, a lot of things with our, with our country then and now, you know, 
like with this, you can see how Chicago has a lot of that history of being kind of a clash of cultures in a lot of ways. Um, so, you know, there are a ton of great books out there about it, but if you, you know, want to get kind of an idea also of what this was like, The Jungle uh, is a fantastic book. It's not fantastic in the sense that like, it's a very pleasant read, but yeah. it is one of those books that when you read it, you actually get the, you start to understand a little bit more about the the plight of a lot of people in the country at the time who weren't um, Protestant white men. And I think that this, the Chicago Lager Beer Riot is also a good reminder of, you know, race being a construct, a social construct that is manipulated to to fit whatever, you know, power at the time, however it sees fit, because the, this was a time when if you were Irish, if you were Italian, if you were Jewish, if you were German, you weren't considered white. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how that how that has changed over the years um, to be able to use to to harm people. Um, so, yeah, that was it's kind of a, a, down, <laughs> a downer topic to start your Monday yeah, off with. But yeah. it, it is important. Really, and, you know, yeah, the, like the, the silver lining of it is that coming out of it, this this has been um, also the uh, the police force after that was completely reorganized. And, um, you know, it was kind of that consolidation of power that was kind of grabbed, you know, it was exploited in the system and immigrants rose up against that and said, no, actually, you're not going to do this. And you can say that it's for this reason, all you want. But when there's a disparate impact on these, on these people, when you're saying that, you know, you're saying these anti-immigration things, you're saying these anti-German, anti-Irish, anti-Catholic things, and then you're making these rules that are only enforced against us, that you can't say no 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 it's just it's just because of temperance i just don't like drinking like no we all know what you're doing this is dog whistle politics uh, yeah. so that is uh you know coming out of that just more people being involved within the city and uh, realizing that you know in numbers they could rise up and vote out these kinds of political parties uh, is depressing like you said that just history keeps repeating you. itself. Yeah. Um, but pay attention to history. So right. Important. Right. And we need to call things what they are. And, you know, one of the things that, again, not exactly beer related, but related to the, the lager beer riot is in the past year in Chicago, the mayor has also frequently raised the bridges in Chicago to keep people from getting across them, um, specifically into the downtown area to the Magnificent Mile, which if you've been in Chicago, you know, the Magnificent Mile is high-end shopping, it's all, it's all these sorts of things that um, there was protests and then not, not protesters, some looters, we're breaking in and damaging property, which doesn't mean that that's all protesters or that you should not listen to messages of protesters. Uh, but the response to that was to raise the bridges so people couldn't get across the river um, into those areas. And, uh, you know, also hearkening back to the same event um, when there were protesters in downtown Chicago last summer, they were given 35 minutes to clear the area, but then they also raised the drawbridges. 
So people could were trying to leave, were trying to comply and couldn't because they had raised the drawbridges. And, you know, then that leads to more clashes with the police where it's like, well, what are you really trying to do? Are you really trying to make sure that people are dispersing peacefully like they should? Or are you setting up, you know, basically a trap? Mm-hmm. So a little, a little off topic for, you know, for us, but the, the, um, we've talked so much about the logger book and about, you know, Germany and beer gardens and stuff. And to kind of take that and move it to a new location where that, that wasn't what people were, you know, necessarily used to. And you're very much bringing your own culture over to someplace that's supposed to be a melting pot and, uh, you know, seeing people seeking to, I don't know, I guess, harm that culture because it's not their culture rather than just letting everybody coexist is very much a theme and you know in in yeah in america and in the world so i hope you all enjoyed learning a little bit about this and um you know there's there's good information out there if you'd like to learn more like i said i ended up finding a book that i wish i would have known existed before this and i have to apologize to you rachel also because i know that there is a there used to be a podcast out of chicago called strange brews that had several episodes like on chicago specific beer history and one of them was the lager beer riot and it had a ton of great information and i was not able to find that episode so if i am able to find it or if i am able to find other good resources i will link that like either in our show notes or in our posts on instagram and facebook so you can do some more research and learn more about it so yeah thank you for letting me do talk about this and uh when this comes out the lager beer riot will be um, coming up that, you know, in just a couple of days, the anniversary of it. Um, so maybe, you know, raise a, a glass of German lager in solidarity this, this Wednesday, April 21st, uh, in honor of the lager beer riot. Uh, so with that, um, you know, we, in our last episode, we talked briefly about, or not briefly, actually, we talked at length about our new Patreon page. And um, again, we do, if you missed that episode, we do have a Patreon now, if you would like to support us uh, in that way, uh, please go check that out as patreon.com backslash false bottom girls. At the point of this recording, we're still recording like in the, the same day. So we have two Patreon members that we would like to thank, which are Stacy and Steven. Um, so please know that if you since joined as a, as a patron of us, um, after like mid-March, uh, we will also be thanking you. And we um, past Jen and Rachel, thank future patron you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will, uh, we do record these about a month ahead of time. So we're always a little bit behind with that. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at False Bottom Girls. You can also email us at falsebottomgirls at gmail.com. And, you know, keep fighting the power. And I, <laughs> we hope that you all have a, a great rest of your week. We love you. Make good decisions. And cheers. Cheers. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the Bruin world go round.